You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. They can't be the Packers. No. Are you crazy? You're listening to Cheese and Packers, a project powered by the Packernet Podcast Network. I'm your host, JJ Lady. Um, man, it's going to be a a weird episode because, obviously, it's a weird game. My thoughts are kind of all over the place. I'm still kind of trying to figure out how I feel about things. Um, I will say this. I absolutely always root for the Packers to win. And that was true last night against the Lions. I wanted them to win that game. However, now that the game is over... There is a very large part of me that is relieved they didn't win it. Um, part of it has to do with the draft. Yeah, I want them to have a better draft pick and, you know, just by, you know, the, the virtue of getting the playoffs, you have a much lower draft pick. Um, that's, that's a small part of it. Uh, we are, I think, sitting at the number 15 overall pick. Uh, if you throw the third round pick in there, which I think everybody would like to do, <laughs> you can trade up from 15 to roughly like 10 ish. Obviously a little bit of, you know, wiggle room in there of, of, you know, what do teams actually want to do? You know, does the team at number 10 actually want a first and a third to move back? <sighs> Anyways, um, there's a couple other reasons why, I'm relieved they lost the game. One of them is just that I am ready for the season to be over. Um, There was a lot to really enjoy and appreciate about this season, the 2022 season. And I absolutely definitely cherished moments where, you know, you're watching Rogers play at a high level and you're thinking he might not be back next year. That's, Absolutely within the realm of possibility. This could be the last time we're seeing Aaron Rodgers under center for the green and gold. Um, I I think that I think it would have been bad, possibly, 
to send the message to the Packers front office. And and this largely is the coaching staff. I think it also is Mark Murphy and uh, Brian Goodkins. I think it would be bad to send the message to them. Hey, what you guys did was good enough. You made the playoffs. Maybe you win a playoff game, something like that. I I just I think that there's enough that clearly went badly wrong this season that we really really need the front office to do a lot of introspection and soul searching and an honest evaluation of where the season went wrong. And I do not think that this is a coaching staff that does that unless they're forced to. All right, there's a lot that I like about Matt LaFleur, a lot that I like about the guys that are working for him. But I think that there, there is certainly a tendency from them to say, well, we're winning, so that's, you know, what we're doing is good enough. And And part of what makes me say that is you look at a lot of different situations where there's something clearly wrong with the team. All right, maybe the offensive line is struggling. You got a guy out there who just does not know what he's doing. You know what? I'll I'll use we'll we'll use uh, Amari Rogers and um, who was I just thinking of before I said Amari Rogers? Oh, Darnell Savage, Amari Rogers and Darnell Savage, two guys who were playing really bad football for a good good long chunk of the year, and the coaching staff did not make a move until it was really overwhelmingly obvious that you are losing games because of these guys. They kind of need to have their hands forced to make moves sometimes. As we sit here today, the day after the Lions game, I think that there is a um, very, very, very strong likelihood that Joe Barry is back for 2023. And I think that it would have taken a defensive collapse along the lines of the 2016 NFC championship game against the Falcons. Like that kind of performance in the playoffs, I think is what it would have taken for Matt LaFleur to fire to Joe Barry. And I'm not even, I'm not even saying that Joe Barry needs to be fired. A lot of you are saying that a lot of you really think that he really needs to be fired. I don't think he's great, but I don't think that he's horrible. And I don't, I don't have confidence that firing Joe Barry is going to make the defense better. That was my stance back when we had Mike Pettin. I didn't think that firing Mike Pettin was going to make the defense better, and it didn't. The defense got worse. Now, you could say, yeah, well, that's because you hired Joe Barry. Fair enough. You want to put the same <laughs> same guy who made that hire uh, back out there on the market looking for somebody else? I don't have a ton of confidence in Matt LaFleur's ability to evaluate coaches. I don't know whether Joe Barry should be fired. My stance is probably not. I don't think he should be fired. I know that a lot of you have huge frustrations with the defense. I mostly just have, I don't know. I'm not going to get into that. We'll, we'll probably talk about that a different day, but, but all that is one reason why I think the Packers shouldn't have won. Or rather that I, I guess I'm relieved that they didn't win. Um, another one is if I'm just being vulnerable. <laughs> I'm kind of glad that it ended the way it did. 
instead of going out to San Francisco and getting our butts whipped again by the 49ers. Do you think we would have won that game? I mean, you saw the way we played against the Lions. That was that was awful. Um, the 2022 Packers, I do think, finished the season on a, on a, a strong run. Uh, they weren't able to, obviously, cap that off with a good performance against the, against the Lions. I think there were some serious problems with the Packers team we saw last night. That, uh, I mean, they, they, they lost this game the same way they lost most of the games this season. 16 points on offense against the number 30 scoring defense in the NFL. Holy crap. 16 points is all you could do with the trip to the playoffs on the line. The Lions defense was 30th in scoring. They were 30th in third down. Packers converted four out of 12 third downs. Lions defense was also ranked 30th in goal-to-go situations. The Packers uh, only got down there one time, and they couldn't cash it in. It was the 30th-ranked rushing defense. Packers got 3.7 yards per carry. And, I mean, our, our defense kind of fell apart as well. I was not overly upset with the defense, but... I mean, Jared Goff was just throwing ducks all night long. I I remarked both on Twitter and just my family who was watching the game with me. His throwing motion was horrific. Jared Goff, I don't know what the heck was going on with him. Now, he's never been a really great passer. But, I mean, he, he was just a noodle arm last night. Throwing the ball into the dirt every other play. All shoulder, no hips. I mean, he looked like he was going to dislocate his arm every time he threw a eight-yard pass, and then it would hit the ground. <laughs> eight-yard pass, and it the, the receiver falls down trying to catch it because it's down by his shoelaces. And the Packers got zero turnovers. Zero turnovers. How many times did we cough the ball up? Twice? Really, it should have been three times. Um but for the holding penalty. Rodgers threw two interceptions to Kirby Joseph. Shout out Kirby Joseph, guy I liked a lot in the draft last year. That was one of my favorite uh, draft prospects at safety. Packers um, killed themselves by being idiots. That was a big thing. I mean, first of all, you had... Aaron Jones, for as amazing of a player as he is, and I, I think that he's one of the all-time great Packer running backs, for as amazing of a player as he is, he still can't quit fumbling the ball. Every time you hit him in the back, he's got this instinct where he just flings his arms wide open and the ball just goes flying six, seven, eight feet easy every time. I don't know about every time, but every time he fumbles, that's what it looks like. It always looks like a long run, usually, and then somebody comes flying in from behind, hits him in the back, and sends him like flying forward, and he flings his arms open to try and like catch himself, and the ball goes flying away. And that fumble right there, that was the game. 
Um, man. Kind of a lot of bad decisions by Matt LaFleur. I, I didn't think it was one of his worst games, but going for it on fourth and one from, what was it, the 30-yard line, Packers, or, um, you know, I, I didn't think it was a horrible decision to go for it. I was encouraging my TV <laughs> to tell Matt LaFleur to go for it. However, the decision to call an end around to Alan Lazard with no blockers, that was a weird one. Um, And then the, pack, the Lions, of course, were able to cash in a, a field goal, which tied the game at that point. Lazard had drops. Lazard was bad. By the way, if you haven't seen the news, Lazard is not coming back next year. That's what he said. I would play the clip, but I don't feel like going in and editing out all of his swear words. Um, he's not a happy camper. I can tell you that. I've been saying that on this podcast for a while that I thought it was worth wondering if Al Lazard would want to be back after he held out of training camp. Uh, for a better contract. And the Packers called his bluff and said, sorry, Charlie, you're playing regardless. And he looked all year long like he didn't want to be out there. I don't think he cared very much. And I don't think that there's any love lost between he and Aaron Rodgers. Aaron's still been saying complimentary things about Lazard, but those two have not been on the same page for a long time. And uh, reporters asked Alan Lazard last night, do you think that Aaron Rodgers will be back next year? And uh, translating to G-rated language, he said, don't know, don't care. (laughs) And then commented that uh, his first game with the Packers and now his last game ever with the Packers were both home games against the Lions. That dude cannot wait to get out of here. Um, which I think is fine. Um, would have liked to have maintained that relationship better. I, I don't know. I I think that we've had enough instances where you can see the Packers front office didn't really manage relationships great with some players. Devante being one that comes to mind now, Al Mazard. You know, and and we don't know yet. I'm sure we will because Lazard seems like he wants to talk. We don't know yet the full extent of what all is frustrating Lazard, but I've been speculating that at least part of it has to do with his contract for a long time that he thought he was getting underpaid. But then if the Packers and you see the way he's played all year, you kind of feel justified in not having paid him. But would he be playing better had he gotten paid? I don't know. He didn't play well, and he didn't want to be here, and that's what it looked like. Rodgers threw 13 interceptions on this season, if you count if you count the, uh, the one that was called back last night due to a holding penalty. And I don't remember if there were other interceptions uh, throughout the season that were called back. Maybe there were. Um. But I'm counting the 12 that are recorded and then the one that was called back. He had 13 interceptions this season. He had 13 interceptions the previous three seasons combined. And uh, 
man, I just got to say, both of his picks last night were really bad. Uh, the one that he underthrew to Aaron Jones by like 15 feet that was called back by a holding penalty. I don't know what was going on there. I can only assume that he didn't have a good grip on the ball or, you know, maybe his fingers bothering him or he didn't get his feet planted correctly or something. I mean, that was a really rookie mistake there. And then, you know what, the, the interception that he threw to lose the game, man, it just looked like, you remember when Jordan Love went out against the Chiefs and they kept doing like a zero blitz and they'd bring like six guys <laughs> and he was just so rattled and he couldn't do anything for a lot of the night. And in that game, when we were breaking that down, we said nobody would dare do that to Aaron Rodgers because if you call zero blitz on Aaron, he's going to make you pay. And Jordan's just not experienced enough to make you pay. Well, they brought what I think six guys, maybe seven guys on Aaron on that on that rush, and he freaked out and just lobbed it. Here we go via Andy Herman on Twitter. He counted up the mistakes that he noticed in the game, and I think this is, I think every single one of these would would be on my list, and I don't think I have any other to add. All right, Lazard end around on fourth and inches. That was, we already talked about that. That was a bizarre. Why Why can't you just call a quick slant or a stick or an out? Just throw a quick pass or run Aaron Jones up the gut. All right, next one. Lazard drop. We talked about that. Dylan drop. We talked about that. Jones fumble. We talked about that. Quay missed tackle before the half. I actually don't remember this one. Andy Herman had that one. Rasul penalty on the field goal. Uh, let's talk about that for a second. So, official story, what happened? Because uh, <laughs> we were all baffled about what happened on that play. So, LaFleur called a timeout. Rasul went up and uh, moved the ball so that the Lions could not get a practice swing in. Okay? So far, so good. No problem with that. It looked weird, but no problem with that. Then, Rasul gets into a brawl with center Dan Skipper. Rasul says that Dan shoved him first, and then he shoved Dan back. Whatever. I, 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 just don't shove him back. <laughs> I don't care who started it. Don't shove him back. We'll talk more about idiotic mistakes in a minute. Rogers... Interception that was called back due to the holding penalty. I think right about there the game was over. I I just don't. I think at that point, you know, we are uh, three quarters of the way through the game at this point. We are halfway through the list of mistakes. Next one, Rogers low throw to Dobbs. Dobbs was pretty wide open. Uh, kind of the same thing with uh, A.J. Dillon's drop. Two two plays where there was pressure in Rodgers' face. The offensive line just couldn't do anything all day long against the Lions. Um, I think Bakhtiari was the only offensive lineman that I'm expecting to grade out well. Don't 
haven't seen the grades yet. But Bakhtiari looked fine. Elton Jenkins looked like he was drunk. Um, Josh Myers looked useless. John Runyon got just sent in his tailspin a ton of times. Yash got benched for Zach Tom. Zach Tom did okay when he was out there. Uh, he might have a good grade. Um, uh, he did get beat a couple times that I saw. But you got the, the Dylan drop and the low throw to Dobbs. Both of those were bad passes with pressure in Rogers' face. And then a worse catch or catch attempt. I think both of those were catchable. Um, I mean, Dylan had it in his hands. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Then we have, uh, oh, no, this is the uh, this is the one that should have been an interception, but was called back by holding. So there was another should-have-been pick earlier on in the game that I have forgotten about. So three, let's see here, three total should-have-been picks, two that were, and one was called back by penalty. Then you have the Dobbs drop. That was disappointing. That one, when Dobbs dropped that one, you could hear, you could feel the silence in Lambeau as the all the momentum was squarely in the Lions camp. Then Quay gets ejected. Now, I've seen some whiny Lions fans crying about Devontae Wyatt should have also been ejected and Jaron Reed should have been ejected. There should have been three guys ejected on that play. 
whatever. Crimea River. Um, I'm not, I'm actually not mad at Quay. Uh, I get it. I get the frustration. And Matt LaFleur is livid with Quay. And Quay tweeted that he's facing some significant consequences as a result of that. This is the second time he's been ejected this season, obviously. First time in 15 years that a player has been ejected twice in one season. Really thought that uh, Vontez Perfect was going to be <laughs> on that list. I um, I don't know. I, we we saw we saw some behavior out of Quay this season that certainly the coaches and other people are going to have to talk to Quay about the uh, unnecessary roughness penalty last week when he picked up the running Vikings running back and slammed him on the ground <sighs> two ejections um he's a, he's a rough guy for sure i don't think we knew that about him before we drafted him still i'm not overly concerned there's uh, some dingleberry on twitter who i'm not going to give credit to but he's a famous guy is uh calling for a one year suspension for Quay Walker okay Whatever. I think that our defense needs an edge. And yeah, you can't be a hothead to the level that Quay has been. And, um, you know, there's, there's Quay and Devontae Wyatt. Both were clearly agitated in that moment. And they were huddled around uh, DeAndre Swift, their former Georgia teammate. Seemed like emotions were really high. Um, really stupid moves that they pulled, for sure. No question about it. I, I think that there's work to be done there, absolutely, with Quay and with Devontae. We know that Devontae has some anger issues. That's something we knew about him pre-draft. But, uh... The defense needs an edge. And I just would caution the coaching staff. Work with Quay. Work with Devontae. But be cautious. That you are coaching them to play smart. And to keep their emotions in check. Don't. Don't dull them. We need that edge on defense. Um, that's, that's kind of what I said after the, uh, the penalty that he had against the Vikings. And, um, obviously there were some disastrous results that happened after that. The next week, Quay's a really good player. And I think that he's immature. I don't think he's a bad dude. I think he's immature. I think that he lets his emotions get the best of him. And that's something that you need to mentor him and, and, and work with him on and teach him and help him to mature through that. You know, you need to have uh, Devondre Campbell and Adrian Amos and Kenny Clark working with the young guy and, and, and Preston Smith. I think about Preston Smith and, and, and Zedarius when he was here, like these are really violent guys, you know, just like hungry they want to make big plays. Rashawn, 
violent, scary, mean guys. And they can keep their head enough that they're not out there committing really stupid penalties and risking injury to people. Um, you know, there's a lot of people who are mad at Quay and I want to just, let's just back up and, and review the three things that he's done that we're mad at him about. All right. Number one, he's on the sideline in the bills game. He feels that he gets shoved by an athletic trainer. I, I don't care whether it happened. I don't, I don't really care. That's what he feels happens. And then he retaliates by shoving the guy back. All right. Exactly the same thing that happened here against the Lions. Dude needs to <laughs> needs to rein that in and have the ability to have some situational awareness. Like, hey, you know what? You're not on you're not in a play. Yes, it's a football game, but you're not in a play. This is not an opposing player who you can shove around. Right time, right place, man. That's something they can work on him with. I I'm, I'm I, I I get that that there is another element here of everybody's emotions are high because of the Demar Hamlin thing. I understand that. Hey, this you know athletic trainers saved Demar Hamlin's life a week ago. We're all really emotional about it. I get it. Don't let your own emotions pile on to an unrelated incident here. All right. The whole thing that we're talking about here with Quay is he's letting his emotions get the better of him. Right time, right place, man. Context matters. We're we're trying to teach that to Quay. All right? So when we are assessing and judging what happened, don't let your own emotions get in the way as well while you are trying to assess that. Just my advice. Uh, the... Um, the WWE tackle on the running back last week against the Vikings. That to me is a bigger deal. All right. That is uh, an opportunity to cause serious bodily harm to that running back. Guy was fine. Thankfully um, that a little more concerning to me, but obviously there's a pattern here of him just kind of losing his head and, and reacting really quickly. And I just would caution the coaching staff when they're dealing with Quay and trying to coach him toward the future. And I, I completely understand how unacceptable all three things that he did are. Completely, utterly unacceptable. I just would caution the coaching staff, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. you got a guy who's chippy, who plays really hard on defense, who reacts and thinks really quickly. On the field of play, try and keep the good there as you are coaching him to think even smarter about what not to do. That's all. I'll get off my soapbox. It was a rough game. Um, I live in Michigan. Uh, everybody I know here is a Lions fan. It's going to be brutal. It's kind of crazy. We uh, we split the division, swept the Bears, got swept by the Lions, split with the Vikings. I think the uh, front office has a lot of soul-searching to do this offseason. I think there's a lot of good to take away from this season. The uh, development, 
that you saw from Christian Watson. I think that he got more well-rounded these last two weeks. I, I really liked his performance against the Lions. I kind of needed that, if I'm being honest, because he had that stretch where he was getting two touchdowns a game, and it was really cool. And anybody who knows anything at all about football knows that that is unsustainable. And he had to look at that and say, okay, yep, it's great that he stretches the field. It's great that he got a bunch of touchdowns in a row. That's fantastic. What else can we do? And I think that he showed me that against the Lions. I really needed that. And seeing the different types of routes he was running, uh, which is something that has been developing for a while now, I really like it. I like I like all the different areas of the field that he was impactful. I think that it would not be crazy at all to find out that he was one of the highest graded players on the team. Actually, I'm just going to check real quick. Are the grades up? They're probably not up. Are the grades up? Do, 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 do. Hey, they are. Yes, Christian Watson, 88.2, highest graded player on offense. Holy crap. Uh, one, two, three, four, five. Uh, four guys had a grade higher than a 60. If you don't count Christian Watson, Tyler Davis was at a 68, AJ Dillon at a 65, Robert Tunyon at a 63. Feels a little bit high, but whatever. Al Lazard at a 62. Again, feels kind of high. Everybody else was at a 60 or lower. Uh, Where's Aaron Rodgers? 56. He was the 13th highest, highest graded player on offense. Christian Watson, 88.2. Good Lord, was he good. Uh, Quick defense. Uh, Devontae Wyatt, 91.1, highest-graded player on offense. That's cool. Uh, Chris Barnes, Kenny Clark, Devondre Campbell, Jair, Isaiah McDuffie. They all graded out positively. Kingsley and Agbar was basically right there. He and TJ Slayton were sitting at about a 65. Everybody else sucked. That's, uh, that's about as far as I want to dig into that. Uh, my my uh, positive takeaways there, Devontae Wyatt and Christian Watson. Studs. You love it. Let's see, uh, special teams, uh, Isaiah McDuffie, Eric Wilson, Corey Ballantyne, da- Davin- Dallin Levitt. Sorry. All graded out well. Uh, David Bakhtiari was the highest graded pass blocker on the team, as I thought. He had an 80.2 pass blocking grade. Horrific run blocking grade to 41.4. Brings his overall score down to 56. Um, looking at, uh, the rest of the offensive line in terms of pass blocking, Josh Myers did better than I thought he did. 71.6. Everybody else was awful. Uh, Elton Jenkins was the third highest graded guy at 57. Zach Tom, 45. John Runyon, 39. Yash Nyman, 32. AJ Dillon, a whopping 5.4. whoop de freaking do How many pass blocking grade, uh, snaps did he have? Just one. And he gave up, uh, a hit. So, well done. Well done. Okay. I don't have a ton more to say, um, and I don't think you have a ton more you want to listen to. That was uh, not a very fun game. Um, I don't know. I mean, it was it was fun to watch. The, the second half was certainly embarrassing. A lot for the Packers to examine here. Um, with Al Nazar leaving, with Randall Cobb probably leaving your wide receiver room is suddenly pretty bare. Um, not that it was, you know, not that it was great. Uh, not that it was in great shape, but, uh, let's see here. Who, who all we got? We got Watson and Dobbs and Toure. Um, let's see. Amari's gone. Lazard is gone. 
Winfrey's with the team still. Can't re- can't even remember. Watkins is gone. Cobb is probably gone. You got you got three guys. Dobbs. Yeah, it's our three rookies. So I mean, you got you got to get somebody else. Um, just because you need more than three receivers on your team. So I I would encourage them to draft another early guy. I really like Christian Watson now. Um, Dobbs needs to keep developing. He's up and he's down. Let me see uh, his overall grades here. So when he came back against the Rams, he picked up right where he left off against the Lions in week nine. So he's out weeks 10 through 14. His highest grade the games of the year were in nine and 15. And then he plummeted back to earth after that. Really, he had a total of one, two, three, four, five, five good games all year. That's not great. Um, I, I like what he can do. Uh, no question at all that Christian Watson clearly is the more talented of the two. Not that shocking. I mean, he uh, went two rounds earlier and was considered a first round prospect. Uh, actually, shout out to Christian. This was his highest graded game of the year. Love to see that. 88.2 overall grade, 90 receiving grade. Love it. But you need more bodies. I, I would encourage them to draft another wide receiver early. Um, maybe not necessarily round one, but rounds, I mean, forget the third round, but uh, memes aside and curses aside and all that, take a guy in the second and second or third round. I think you need to keep building that room up. I like our guys, but I mean, we have not gotten anything out of Toure yet. It's Christian Watson and basically nobody. Uh, and they'll bring in a veteran for sure. They'll bring in a Sammy Watkins-esque guy. Um, will they bring in somebody bigger than that? I don't know. They don't have a ton of money, but um, they have some. So um, I've already turned my attention to the draft. Um, actually did that before this game. Got my whole big board built already. I'm just stocking it with info. I've got 3,800 players in my big board. So that's, yeah, 3,829 players. Oh, 3,828 players, sorry, in my big board. Got to whittle this down. I mean, I I don't even know who all is uh, declaring for the draft so far. Let's see. We got a total of, oh my guys, clear this. Clear. And uh, let's see, just declared. Oh, it's hard to hard to get a count on this. Looks like a couple hundred guys so far. Where is this? Three hundred and eleven guys so far have declared for the NFL draft. So, and I got over three thousand here who are eligible. So. Uh, we're going to do a lot of digging in over the next few weeks. Talk about uh, what we're going to do with Aaron Rodgers. Is he going to retire? Um, no question he's considering it, but we knew that that was going to be the case no matter what. What do we think we have in Jordan Love? Um, you know, what, Who do you bring back? I've been, kind of been going through this series on my podcast for the last few weeks. I think David Bakhtiari, no question, is going to be back next year, but I would expect it to be probably his last year. Um, Mercedes Lewis is, is a big one to talk about because he needs one more. I think, I think he tied this year. He tied the longest tight end career in the NFL. He needs one more season to set the record. And he said that he would like to do that. So will he be back? I think the Packers would happily take him back. 
would he want to be back without Aaron Rodgers? I think maybe it's more likely that he would consider trying to go somewhere else for his final year, but would anybody else want him? I mean, he's already said, like, Green Bay is one of the only teams that uses uh, a tight end the way they use him. Or, you know, so I, I don't know. Uses that type of tight end. A lot for them to figure out. It's 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 going to be a long off season. Hopefully, a more fun off season than this past one was. The past two, uh, I think, were a little brutal. Uh, but obviously, that begins and ends. Well, not begin and ends, but it begins with the question of what do you do with your quarterback and and does he want to come back. But that's it for today. I'm going to wrap it up and get out of here. Uh, you guys have a fantastic day. Sorry how the game went. Um, was was not the outcome any of us were hoping for. And even though I outlined some silver linings and why I think it's ultimately healthier for the team, there's a lot of negatives too, and I don't need to list all the negatives. You already are aware of them, and we are, you know, certainly have a lot of concerns about the fallout from missing the playoffs and, you know, are, are, are there any heads on the chopping block? Are there guys who just don't want to be here anymore? A um, lot to monitor, a lot to monitor. But I still like Matt LaFleur, still really like Brian Gutekunst. I cannot believe the impact that this um, 2022 draft class had on the season. I mean, you know, you can be mad at Quay Walker right now, and so you probably don't want me to bring him up, but he played really well. Um, the second half of the season, Quay Walker played really well. Devontae Wyatt looks like a stud. Christian Watson, clearly the superstar. Maybe he's going to win offensive rookie of the year. I don't know. Zach Tom, Romeo Dobbs, Kingsley and Agbar. And Agbar, I think, still leads the Packers in pressures since Rashawn left the team. Or not left the team, but went to IR. That's wild. I mean, you got to get down to your seventh round picks before you're finding guys who are not able to contribute. That's that's insane. Uh, all right, getting out of here. Have a, a fantastic day. I'll talk to you all next week here on the Packernet Podcast Network.